Hello to everyone and welcome to our program with Ambassador Shinsuke Sugiyama. My name is Paul Pass and I'm the Executive Director of the Japan American Society of Dallas-Fort Worth, which is co-presenting this event with the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. We are excited to share that we have had over 145 people register for this event from 16 states and two countries. Special thanks to the Embassy of Japan, the staff at the Embassy of Japan, and to the new Honorary Consul of Japan in Dallas, Sam Shichijo. I would now like to introduce a friend to the Japan American Society, Jim Falk, who will serve as this evening's moderator. Jim is the president and CEO of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth, where he has led the organization's transformation to become one of the best World Affairs Councils in the country. He has interviewed countless diplomats and global leaders, and he is the co-host of the weekly Mequestion program on KERA here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Please welcome Jim Falk. Thank you so much, Paul, and it's great to be with you. And uh, looking at your slides, uh, you're, you're just doing a terrific job. And uh, World Affairs Council is always pleased to collaborate with you. It is such a pleasure for me to have the opportunity to introduce the Honorable Hideo Fukushima. He's been the Consul General of Japan in Houston since 2018, and its jurisdiction includes Texas and Oklahoma. And as you know, Paul, he's almost a resident of Dallas. He was coming here so often before the COVID-19 pandemic, and we all look forward to when he'll be able to come back and forth. His last post was at the Embassy of Japan in Bangkok, where he served as Minister, Deputy Chief of Mission, and Permanent Representative to the United Nations Economic and Social Commission for Asia and the Pacific. His past roles have been in climate change and public diplomacy, and he's had assignments across the world, including Washington, Rome, and Moscow. It's great to have him with us tonight to introduce His Excellency. Welcome, Consul General Fukushima. Well, thank you, Mr. Fogg, for your very, very generous introduction. It's a very honor to be here. And uh, certainly that I miss uh, uh, visiting, uh, being in Dallas uh, after a while. Uh, and, uh, but under the circumstances, it's uh, kind of difficult, but uh, well, modern technology unites us uh, like this, so it's uh, good to get together like this uh, virtually. Um, today, it is a great honor uh, for me uh, to be able to uh, introduce uh, Ambassador Sugiyama, uh, my big boss from Washington, D.C. Um, he has held he has had a distinguished diplomatic career within Japanese Foreign Ministry, Ministry of Foreign Affairs. We call it MOFA. Uh, that spans over 40 years. He most recently served as MOFA's Vice Minister for Foreign Affairs. Previous positions include Deputy Director General of the Middle Eastern and African Affairs Bureau, Deputy Director General of the International Cooperation Bureau, Director General for Global Issues, including a role as Ambassador for Climate Change and Director General of the Asian and Oceanian Affairs Bureau. Ambassador Sugiyama has also held leadership positions within the Foreign Policy Bureau and the Treaties Bureau of MOFA, and is an expert on international law. Thank you so much for joining today's event, Ambassador Sugiyama. Uh, the floor is yours. I would like to express my deep uh, 
uh, appreciation uh, feeling honor to be introduced by uh, Consul General Kushima in such a nice way. Uh, good afternoon or good evening uh, to you all. I am delighted to be with you all here tonight. And thank you for attending this forum virtually while we continue to live under the tyranny of COVID-19. I would like to thank Paul Pass for organizing this event, Jim Falk for moderating it, and Council General Fukushima for introducing me, as I said at the outset. I'm told that Texas has lost about 20,000 of its citizens to the virus. In 2011, the great Tohoku earthquake and tsunami hit Japan, hitting a similar number of people at that time. So I would say that I would be able to understand the sorrow. I want you to know that we Japanese face this difficult time with you as your best friend. And I would like to express my deepest condolences to those who lost their lives and their families. Before the pandemic, I had visited Texas twice. In April 2018, right after I became ambassador here, I went to Fredericksburg to the National Museum of the Pacific War. I did attend a ceremony at Japanese Peace Garden, which was a gift from Japan in 1976. It is so healing to have a Japanese Peace Garden at the Museum on the Pacific War in the northernmost uh, place uh, in Texas' uh, beautiful state. On another trip, naturally I visited Houston and Dallas, including the Toyota headquarters I, and Daikin Texas Technologies Park. I was truly impressed by the energy of the Texas economy, its business environment, and its workforce. My travels to Texas and 35 other states made me much more aware that America is truly the United States of America and that Japan must strengthen its ties with each state. As a matter of fact, this is something which I'm instructed by the former prime minister as well as the current prime minister when he was a chief cabinet secretary before I was about to depart to come here as their envoy that I'm told that uh, Mr. Sugiyama, this is after all, as I said uh, repeatedly, the United States of America. So uh, you have to deal with the uh, quite a number of important person inside the belt of Washington DC, but that's not all uh, uh, presenting the United States of America. So I have sought not only to strengthen, as I said, ties to Washington inside belt people, which is really, really normal job of uh, uh, an ambassador and an envoy, but also to strengthen ties to the states and to 
local Japan-American societies around the country. All of which explains why I'm happy to be here today. The role of the individual states particularly struck me, of course, as I watched the recent presidential election and learned more about the electoral system. And I imagine I'll get a question or two about election this night. But let me say something in general about the results. Prime Minister Abe and President Trump had a very good and friendly personal relation as an official relationship. I attended numerous meetings between the two of them as leaders, and I saw the relationship up close. I'm sure Prime Minister Suga, who became the Prime Minister just a couple of months ago, and President-elect Biden will have a similar, very good personal as well as official relationship. In fact, Prime Minister Suga has already called by telephone call President-elect Biden to convey his congratulations. They agreed on further strengthening the alliance and cooperation on, in, on international challenges such as tackling this COVID-19 crisis. They also agreed that they will meet at the earliest possible time, presumably if not that much early time face-to-face, -face, but at least a virtual meeting, but we'll have to see. It may sound like a diplomatic nicety to reaffirm the alliance, but there's a substance behind such affirmations. So much depends upon our alliance. Peace and stability, of course, but also the economic prosperity of our two nations, the number one and the number three economies in the world. Foreign direct investment by Japanese companies in the US was nearly $620 billion as of last year. It is in that sense that Japan has already surpassed the United Kingdom as the largest inventor in the United States of America. As I told the group recently, Japan believes in the United States and its future, virus or no virus. Japanese companies had created 948,000 direct jobs as 2018, so we are well on our way to directly employing a million uh, Americans, which contributes to local economies and governments. In October of last year, our two nations signed the uh, Japan-US Trade Agreement and then Japan-US Digital Trade Agreement. Ambassador Bob Lighthizer, as United States Trade Representative and I, as an envoy representing my country and my government, signed the agreements at the White House in front of the President uh, Donald Trump. As I was sitting there in the Roosevelt Room of the White House, I couldn't help but think how much things had changed from some 
more than 30 years ago when I was a young diplomat at the embassy in Washington. I don't mean much how much things have changed for me personally, but now much things have changed between Japan and the United States in trade, in particular, in economics, in security, in level of trust, and in understanding between our two countries as a whole. Do you know what my job uh, was back then as a first secretary and diplomat in the embassy? I was in charge of foreign trade uh, negotiations, a lot of trade negotiations. Talk about a stressful job, and indeed that was really, really stressful and difficult. Japan-US economic relations have totally been transformed since those days. Today, Japanese companies are not outside, outsiders to America. They are integral part of local communities and the US economy. And let me say a few words about Texas in particular. Texas is becoming an increasingly important partner for Japan as Texas economies grow. Japanese real asset balance in Texas amounts to 35 billion US dollars, and we have created 75,000 jobs in Texas in 2018. But the last count I saw, 436 Japanese companies have offices or factories in this beautiful state of Texas. Many major Japanese companies are moving their headquarters to the Lone Star State. Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, North America, Daikin Huge Factory, and headquarters in the Houston area. Toyota, Kubota, attractors have relocated their North American headquarters near Dallas. NEC, and 7-Eleven have their headquarters in Dallas. At my first meeting with Governor Abbott, when I uh, visited uh, uh, this beautiful state uh, for the second time, we agreed to strengthen the partnership between Japan and Texas. And I know the governor is serious about this because he made an official visit to Japan last fall. Dallas Baptist University is a global Christ-centered institution whose students are making an impact in business, law, medicine, education, public service, and the list goes on. DBU is honored to sponsor the Global IQ podcast and to offer a significant scholarship for World Affairs Council members towards a master's in international studies. For further information about this scholarship or about DBU in general, email Lee Bratcher at leeb at dbu.edu. I have no doubt Japan and Texas will become even closer in the years ahead. Now, lastly, beyond our alliance and our economic partnership, I would like to emphasize another crucial pillar of Japan-US relationships, which is grassroots exchange. This could be a whole speech by itself, 
So just let me say, I know the society has worked hard and creatively to foster exchange programs during the pandemic when so many things have been on hold or in limbo. And I would like to express my sincere gratitude to you all for your dedication to our ties of friendship and understanding. In a previous video, I congratulated the Japan American Society of Dallas Fort Worth on its 50th anniversary. But let me again recognize your contributions to Japan-US relations for half a century. And let me again thank you for all you continue to do to help Japan and the United States enjoy the warmest of relationships. Thank you for your attention and thank you very much indeed for tonight. Thank you, Your Excellency. Uh, sir, you, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up trade. And of course, you can never have a conversation about Japan, United States with, without talking about trade. Earlier this week, there was the announcement of a, a new global trade agreement, the RCEP, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. And that news was obviously almost overshadowed by the presidential election here and the COVID pandemic. But tell us more about how you view that and what does it mean that the United States is not a signatory? Actually, um, this is something that I've been deeply involved uh, personally because that was the time when I was, uh, as uh, Consul General of Christian Matters introduced uh, my uh, bio, um, uh, what we call Vice Foreign Minister, uh, which is the top of the bureaucracy. Um, who uh, is supposed to talk to my foreign minister, Chief Cabinet Secretary, now current, um, current Prime Minister, then the Prime Minister, uh, Mr. Shinzo Abe. And then uh, that was the time uh, when uh, we are faced with the uh, whole division about the uh, uh, pros and cons about TPP-12. Uh, and then that was the time and uh, we are yet to conclude uh, Japan-US uh, um, uh, uh, trade uh, deal. Uh, and here came uh, the current uh, president uh, who uh, outwardly said that he didn't have any intention to join TPP-12. So I think as a chief of the uh, bureaucracy of the Foreign Office, uh, I tried to talk to uh, relevant uh, leaders that uh, maybe we would like to fly TPP-11 uh, without uh, U.S. Uh, and then try to go into, uh, in parallel, to uh, Europeans uh, to form Japan-EU uh, uh, free trade agreement. And then uh, we should uh, be able to uh, think about uh, how we're going to deal with uh, this president uh, who uh, is so uh, expressed clearly that he has no intention to uh, get back to TPP-12. Uh, eventually, we turn ahead to go to bilateral, which I uh, mentioned at my uh, 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 initial uh, speech. Then came this RCEP. Now, RCEP uh, is a kind of you know, free trade agreement among uh, originally 16 states. To start with ASEAN 10, and then Japan, Korea, uh, China, 
and then Australia, New Zealand, plus India. That made uh, 16. Uh, it is slightly unfortunate that uh, when we were able to come up with the uh, signature of the uh, single text uh, some uh, couple of days ago or something, uh, India was not able to take part in uh, that signed document. But rest, uh, 15, ASEAN 10 plus other five, including China, uh, were able to sign the document to go through the necessary kind of, you know, approval uh, 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 procedures in accordance with each uh, uh, legal uh, requirements in each country. Uh, so uh, uh, this uh, is from the scratch something which I myself, and my leaders, uh, really, really envisioned. First, TPP-11, and then Japan-EU, to be followed by some kind of bilateral trade agreement, which we did, uh, and then to be followed by uh, RCEP, uh, uh, with, uh, unfortunately, without uh, uh, India. But these are the certain sequences of uh, things uh, which have hap happened. So uh, we flew uh, the uh, uh, Japan-US TPP-11 to be followed by uh, at least uh, 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 trading goods agreement and then uh, uh, digital uh, to begin with uh, as a bilateral kind of trade agreement uh, with the United States of America and then being followed by these uh, 15 countries uh, uh, kind of, you know, uh, uh, Asia-Pacific region uh, free trade agreement. So uh, by that, I think uh, we seem to involve uh, quite a number of percentage of the uh, uh, entire trade uh, in the world. Japan, US, and then Japan, EU, and then Japan with other 14 countries, uh, including uh, China, uh, and then uh, uh, ASEAN 10, uh, Republic of Korea, Australia, New Zealand. By that, we are being able to be in, uh, in a position to talk about the same kind, you know, uh, trade laws, same kind of trade obligations and uh, and the rights uh, in terms of goods uh, to open up uh, in such a way that we agreed to talk about intellectual property rights in such a way that we are supposed to. So by these, I think uh, we seem to have been uh, able to enter a new uh, uh, expanded uh, free trade. Uh, uh, world. Although this RCEP uh, is something which only has been signed, so we should wait until sometime to make it uh, get into force. But I'm sure uh, sooner than later we will be able to uh, put uh, that agreement into force. Let me ask you this though, sir. Do you see an avenue for the United States to either come into the revised TPP or this agreement? Well, what uh, we have been doing, as I said uh, repeatedly, that we uh, already have done uh, bilateral trade uh, uh, with the uh, U.S. in goods and uh, e-commerce. Uh, and then RCEP uh, doesn't affect uh, in any way. I, I am not uh, going to uh, get down in details about things, but uh, your say agricultural uh, interest the products are totally sort of outside of scope. Uh, 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 but at the same time, uh, we are able to uh, be bound by some of the uh, legalities of the uh, trade uh, law by uh, concluding the RCEP. So uh, I think each one of them uh, must have some plans uh, 
the uh, uh, because of a reason. I mean, had uh, your president uh, been able to say to join the TPP 12, uh, we uh, would have been able to uh, establish TPP 12 uh, first together with the Japan EU. But uh, because of the fact of life that you didn't like that, that uh, is something that we uh, we can do in such a way that I've just described. Let me ask you about something that's taking place uh, now in Japan, and that is the quadrilateral uh, military exercises, the quad. Yes. Yes. And it's very interesting about how India has now become a part of it and the geostrategic impact and vis-a-vis uh, China. So I'd like you to elaborate on, on this, please. Um, the, uh, I don't uh, want to uh, try to uh, take one of the words uh, in a technical way, but uh, our core is based upon the notion of the uh, uh, free and open Indo-Pacific Ocean. And by definition, as this touch, uh, phrase, uh, that show, it is destined to be free and open in the Pacific region. We need uh, the uh, freedom of the uh, navigation. We need, and everything is being based upon international law, not only UNCLOS, but also every international law. And then what we try to do uh, is to uh, let everybody get inside uh, in uh, that uh, free and uh, open uh, uh, Indo-Pacific uh, region. By definition, as I said, it is set free and open. Uh, it is not tried to uh, be exclusive to uh, alienate anybody. Uh, and at the same time, uh, we do believe that it is quite important for us court to get together further closely uh, not in terms of the uh, uh, economic and trade relations, but in terms of the uh, foreign relations and uh, even uh, military uh, joint uh, activities or something. That's what we are doing, uh, uh, which is quite recent. But uh, I, I do believe that that would uh, be beneficial to secure peace and security in the region. And I, I guess we should explain that the Quad is uh, Japan, Australia, United States, and of course, India now. Right. That's right. So you said several years ago at a speech at the Asia Society, China is playing a key role vis-a-vis -vis North Korea. Mm. Most recently this year, you said that relations with or North Korea can be called the biggest crisis for Japan's security since World War II. Yes. While President Trump has had some foreign policy successes. Right. I suspect one would say that he's not been that successful with North Korea. What are the best options? Well, yeah, this is one of your most difficult questions to answer in a word. I myself uh, directly and directly involved uh, in the uh, question of the uh, North Korea and DPLK's uh, nuke and other uh, 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 destruction of mass, uh, uh, destruction of the, uh, the weapons of mass destruction, as well as for us, very important subject matter of the abduction. Um, you know, it dated back to as uh, earlier, something in 1940, uh, 19, uh, 1994, when uh, you guys are uh, able to form the agreed framework. 
And then I'm not uh, trying to bog down into detail about these uh, 20 or 30 years of the uh, history in dealing with the uh, uh, DPRK about uh, these issues. Uh, uh, you know, one, one thing that your present uh, decision uh, to make a face-to-face meeting uh, would be very much helpful to at least stop the uh, confrontation and the escalation of the uh, uh, crisis. I think it is a fact of life that uh, he uh, has been able to uh, stop that. Uh, uh, and then that's something uh, that everybody uh, should uh, feel very much appreciative of what uh, his uh, very courageous uh, uh, decision to meet with them uh, and him uh, not only at once. That said, uh, the, uh, although uh, 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 a DPRK leader uh, uh, promised uh, to your president, uh, I think that was in Singapore or somewhere, uh, to denuclearization of the, uh, the peninsula. But it is uh, very unfortunate that uh, things are not that much being materialized uh, for that uh, direction. But mind you, this is not the first time. We have been betrayed by them uh, at least twice or three times uh, over the past uh, 25 years or so. Um, the, uh, so what we are now trying to do is to uh, make it uh, effective uh, on at least uh, three or four uh, Security Council resolutions, economic sanctions, uh, which have been adopted. And uh, we are now implementing these uh, sanctions. I think uh, the last one uh, was uh, already adopted, I think, two or three years ago or something. It had a kind of grace period. But, you know, by now, these grace periods have been ended. So it is about time for us to see the uh, effect of the economic sanctions. And then we have to make it certain that these certain sanctions are real. There are some ship-to-ship -ship transfers and something to break the sanctions. There are some others. Uh, you know, fake money, transportation, and uh, you know, transfers and something. So, when I'm watching closely, to uh, be very much in line with uh, what uh, these provisions of the Security Council uh, resolutions are been uh, depicting. So uh, that's what we are now trying to do, and let's see how uh, DPLK is going to react or not react. But they must be abide by their promise to go for. Uh, denuclearization of the uh, the peninsula, and plus, of course, not only uh, nuke but also other uh, mass destruction weapons, and also for us, it is absolutely important to see the uh, uh, result of the abduction issue. Well, before we talk about some more geostrategic issues, I'd love to ask you about the Olympics, and you'll be pleased to know that we have several questions about it. How does it look? How will the Olympics look next year? Um, and uh, how confident are you that they'll take place? Well, I think uh, uh, this is the uh, most uh, timely question uh, because uh, I'm told that the, uh, uh, that was only a couple of days ago or something uh, when uh, Mr. Bach, uh, the, uh, the chairman of the International Olympic Committee visited Japan uh, to be received by my prime minister to discuss uh, how we are going to be able to do that. Um, and then uh, at the meeting with the chairman, uh, my minister, prime minister, expressed Japan's determination to host the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics next summer as a symbol of uh, overcoming the COVID-19 crisis and showing our country's recovery 
from the uh, March 11th uh, Great Earthquake. The Prime Minister is also considering various options for holding the Olympics and Paralympics with possibly the participation of audiences in mind. They agreed to work closely to ensure safe and secure Olympics and Paralympics. As a matter of fact, the, uh, as I uh, uh, recall, the, uh, this uh, Olympics uh, is supposed to get started on the 23rd of July next summer to be followed by Tokyo Paralympics on August 24th. So uh, 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 it's uh, still uh, uh, some months to go. And then uh, I do uh, feel that I'm hopeful, uh, as well as my premise and uh, every leader. Uh, and then uh, uh, International Olympic Game uh, uh, Chairman, uh, Mr. Buck, and everybody involved, that uh, we are going to just to, uh, uh, make us to do that uh, in such a way that safe and successful Olympic and Paralympics game next summer. Well, it's such a shame when they were canceled and your country did such an outstanding job preparing for them. And we're, we're certainly hopeful and it would be such a delight to be able to sit back next July and yeah. watch the Olympics. Yeah. We have a question from Marvin Singleton. And he said, what is the current thinking of the Japanese government about creating air travel bubbles? He also said that it's his understanding that now flights have been resumed between Japan and Hawaii. Is, yeah. that, is that accurate? Actually, you see, I do believe that uh, uh, for any country, uh, this is a very certainly difficult question to answer. First, we must address properly and effectively to try to control this international pandemic, the uh, COVID-19 crisis. But at the same time, we try to continue our social, economic, investment uh, and trade and these sort of activities or social activities. Sometimes these don't go together easily. One time some countries or uh, my country uh, try to uh, restrict uh, people's activities so that the uh, uh, COVID-19 is going to be overspread in, in the entire country or entire international uh, community. Some country have taken a very strict measures to rock down. My country hasn't. My country uh, 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 quite effectively uh, been introduced by our lawmakers to create a new law, uh, which is in the form of the revision of the existing law, but that gave my prime minister and cabinet uh, to uh, have a power to request people to say wear masks, or to say uh, having a social distance, uh, uh, we call it uh, three non-seas, but it means uh, social distancing thing, uh, and uh, so on. And then uh, we are uh, being uh, uh, given the power through my central government to each uh, the prefectural governor to uh, even uh, legally uh, 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 request uh, on some of the activities the local people. Uh, but fortunately, uh, we haven't taken that the second uh, uh, phase. Although uh, I think uh, uh, we introduced the, uh, for the first time ever since the, the, the uh, end of the uh, last war, my Prime Minister, or former Prime Minister, uh, made a declaration of the emergency as of the 4th of April. 
And then uh, he uh, uh, was able to uh, get rid of the, uh, that uh, declaration as of the uh, 25th of May. Your president did that on the 13th of March. Now, the, uh, it uh, seems to be seeing ups and downs, but currently in everywhere, situation seems to be uh, coming up. Uh, they call it the second wave, the third wave, the fifth wave, I don't know, but it's coming uh, in the J Japanese society too. Uh, but uh, in our society, uh, it's rather um, uh, fortunate that uh, I, I think most important uh, figure is the people who have been killed, the number. You know, my country's number is something like 1,900. Your country's number is something like 250 or more thousand. Uh, of course, uh, your population mass is uh, much bigger than the Japanese population mass, but nonetheless, in terms of the uh, you know, uh, relative uh, situation, I think Japanese society seems to be doing uh, slightly better. That's why I think uh, my government uh, uh, started thinking about mitigation of the restrictions, including this uh, 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 trip ban. And then uh, we uh, uh, gradually uh, introduced some of the uh, mitigating uh, uh, procedures, first uh, business track, and then open up some of the uh, uh, air traffic. Now I think on the business people uh, are able to uh, come to Japan uh, of course, on the condition of the uh, RCA test or something like a 14 days a self quarantine period or something, but they can come to Japan uh, to do some business, uh, basically up to uh, uh, three months, but to be extendable. So I think, uh, uh, but at the same time, we have to be careful uh, that if you go uh, try to open and mitigate, now the number of these uh, people at least that uh, who have been infected by the virus is going to be uh, destined to be increasing. That's uh, what you are saying in this country, and that's what you are saying in uh, Europe and uh, elsewhere. Well, I uh, think people yeah. have to be flexible. Sir, we have about six more minutes because I know you have a hard stop, and uh, do want to ask one or two more questions from our audience, if we may. Uh, this is from Lauren, Lauren Ballinger. From your uh, perspective, what are some of the ways that the United States could improve its relationship with Japan and the ASEAN countries? You might give us two or three points that you think are the most important. You see, uh, before I came here, I once was deputy foreign minister who I was directly in charge of the uh, Japan-ASEAN uh, relation at the time, uh, some eight years or something in that when the former prime minister uh, paid a visit, all ASEAN 10. That was the time ASEAN became a uh, unity or union or something. Uh, but uh, we have to be mindful that ASEAN uh, is not uh, uh, likely to be only one. ASEAN, as I say, is uh, regarded as something like one by one. Although they form a unity, they form a union, or they form a something, uh, get together, which is quite right. But uh, you must be mindful that uh, you ought to know each country uh, one by one. Uh, uh, because uh, there are so much you know, varieties and differences in terms of the uh, size, difference uh, mass and populist mass, land mass, history, and then geopolitical uh, setup. But uh, the common uh, 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 point uh, to, uh, for us to deal with them is that they, they, they are uh, ASEAN, and then uh, they are uh, uh, a big in number of populations and big in number of trade 
and then they are very much important. So uh, we are now trying to uh, even strengthen our relations with uh, ASEAN as a whole, and then each country uh, one by one. I wanted to ask you about uh, an article in an interview I read in one of your papers, Nikkei, um, uh, by National Security Professor Yuichi Hoysoya. And he said <clears throat> that Japan must rethink its excessive dependence on US security. And just a few months ago, Japan made a decision, which I think surprised the United States, not to purchase the uh, Aegis Ashore missile. Um, how is Japan now making these decisions? Is it just trying now to build a, a stronger military um, um, industry or, or what were some, what's the underlying reason that this sale did not go through? You see, um, uh, let me try to get back to you, uh, not directly uh, answering this easy uh, Sashio's thing, uh, which is slightly technical. Um, you know, uh, we revised security treaty, which was done in 1953, in 1960, uh, 1960. So uh, this year happens to be the anniversary of 60 years of uh, uh, our current uh, uh, US-Japan security mechanism and uh, arrangement. There are two uh, salient points in the uh, security arrangement. Article five and article six. Article five, does obligate you to uh, defend us if an armed attack against either party, meaning you and us, in the territories under the administration of Japan, would be dangerous to own peace and security and declare that it means in US Japan, uh, would act to meet the common danger. Uh, this is a rather sort of you know, jargon uh, of international law, and particularly at the uh, peace treaty, uh, as is the case with NATO, as is the case of US Japan, as is the case of the US Korea. This doesn't mean that you are legally obligated to defend Japan in the territory if the armed attack occurs in the territory under Japan's administration. Uh, Article 6 is, uh, on the other hand, Japan should be obligated to give you uh, what we call uh, uh, facilities and area, namely uh, US bases in the soil of Japan, uh, on condition that uh, 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 the agreement is being made uh, through the course of joint committee. Uh, and then uh, you have to abide by the uh, SOFA provisions and then prior consultation mechanism. But basically, for that matter, uh, you are able to make most use of these uh, uh, positioning areas, namely Japan's, uh, I mean, US bases in Japan, not only for the sake of uh, peace and security to defend Japan, but for the sake of the maintenance of peace and security in the Far East, in the region. So these uh, fundamental kind of you know, uh, structures uh, wouldn't change uh, since 1960, of course. Japanese, uh, you know, uh, the uh, 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 economic power and Japanese uh, positions and Japanese uh, political will is going to be developed. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, in each case, we try to do further and then uh, by uh, new law, we are able to do much, much further to help you defending us or to help uh, to give you some of the more sort of logistical support or something and we are able to do more jointly to defend Japan. 
Uh, when it comes to that specific question, uh, it uh, is more technical that uh, because of the uh, safety reason, uh, my government uh, decided not to uh, 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 deploy that particular one, but in instead, that doesn't mean to say that we uh, 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 do believe that Japan is safe without any kind of missile defense system. That's what now NSC people are now discussing, and hopefully by the end of this year, things, uh, ideas are, are coming up to replace this uh, easy to shore uh, and to uh, 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 be based upon interoperability of whatever the equipments are with the United States of America, because the United States of America is the single ally which is legally obligated to defend Japan. Thank you, Ambassador. That's such a, a comprehensive answer. I always like to end on a very happy note. And Alana Tang asked this. She's 21 years old. She's a college student that's had the travel the opportunity to travel to, to Japan. And she wants to know, what advice do you have for a young American like herself who wants to be personally part of strengthening the ties between our two countries? Oh, it's... Uh... You know, uh, I myself have been uh, teaching uh, law at my uh, law school uh, back in my in Tokyo, and I've uh, uh, lectured at a great number of universities, uh, Georgetown or Columbia, Harvard, or, you know, whatever. Uh, so I, uh, I've been uh, telling the youngsters uh, for years that uh, you guys are trying to open up eyes in international community and then in uh, my part of the other uh, region, your part of the region, you ought to study hard first your history, your language, your whole certain political theories, as well as my region, a language, a history, uh, other histories in my region, and then uh, political theories uh, and then institutions of my uh, country and other Asian uh, uh, countries. But I very much would like to encourage you, and uh, if it is possible, uh, for these uh, youngsters, uh, try to study languages, uh, all language, and then if it is possible, try to visit and see uh, things by your own uh, eyes, by your own thinking and feeling to be mixed with uh, people. Uh, if you're interested in Japan, uh, I think the best uh, way uh, to learn Japan is to visit Japan. Wonderful advice. Your Excellency, thank you so much for joining us. I, I know you have a very busy schedule and you need to, to leave now. I want to, on behalf of the Japan America Society and, and Paul Bass, uh, just uh, wish everyone a very happy and safe Thanksgiving. And thanks so much for being with us this evening. And thank you to Consul General Fukushima. Good night, everyone.